talk a little bit about it. We will pray. But he said, I, I remember when, when, uh, when I used to, when, you know, this is an, old, an, an older gentleman. And, and he said, I remember when I first uh, started the first church that I ever started, he said. And, and I remember that, that uh, I remember just being on my face for hours just to, just, just to get a message for, for the week or get a message for the Wednesday or for the Sunday or, or whatever. And, and I remember when, when uh, you know, the, the, as much as I would press in, you know, and then as, as, as we grow and we grow in our, our Christianity or as we grow in our calling and, you know, many times, you know, the Lord will give us several messages, you know, in our, in our, in our thoughts are, okay, which message should I preach now, Lord? You know, those are my notebooks, but the, 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 this, is, this is the reality of it. As many times as, as we, as God, you know, raises us up to a, a different uh, level of perspective and understanding, sometimes we leave behind the things that we need to be doing most. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today and get, gain some understanding in it. And I'm not saying I've left anything behind I'm just saying that we, we need a desperation for the Lord, and it's something that needs to be ongoing. And remember last week I said that, you know, uh, you know Paul's encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus was not his only encounter because he continued to encounter him over and over and over again because he needed to encounter him. And sometimes we're uh, content with a single encounter with the Lord and yes, that'll carry us through for a little while, but it's not something that's going to carry us through for the rest of our walk. And usually what happens is religion sets in after that, and we start going on, on what we've learned instead of the new things that are taking place. So I want to tell you right now, there's something brand new that's taking place. Amen. And this is a new time in the Lord. And this is a new season in the Lord. Are you keeping up with where God is taking us would be the question. Because sometimes we tend to stay back <laughs> in that place and we don't progress. And what God, what God is moving, because God is always moving. Yes, I know that he says, be still and know that I am God, but, but he's moving even in that. So, Lord, I pray, God. I need your anointing because your anointing breaks the yoke. It's not in any knowledge that I might have, Lord. It doesn't even, it's not even in how much I studied, Lord God. And you know I did study, God. But it's more in you taking over, Holy Spirit. So I ask you to take over this morning so that you can minister through me a relevant message for these times, Lord. That it would be a message that penetrates our hearts and our minds, Lord. And that causes godly change to take place, Lord, because you are still renewing and changing and refreshing. There's something going on right now, God. So I pray that we wouldn't uh, uh, stay back, but that we would immerse ourselves in the rivers of living water that continue to flow, no matter what it looks like out there. And even sometimes, no matter what it looks like in here or inside the church. The church is alive. It's a living organism, Lord God, built up and filled with people, Lord, that you've called and set apart and empowered and equipped that we would fight the good fight of faith and that we would raise up the standard of truth, Lord, 
So I pray that you take away any tiredness or weariness, any confusion, anything that would mentally block the deposit that's going to go out today, Lord God. And I pray that you would prepare our minds and our hearts, Lord. And that we leave here transformed and changed with the understanding that we do have a purpose. And that you do have a plan for our lives, Lord. So we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, and we thank you for what you're going to do today. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm going <clears> to... <throat> I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, I, I, I titled it Tried and True, this message. So I'm going to read a little bit about uh, testing and temptation. But it, it's not like what we think it is, is what, what I'm going to talk about. And, and I'm going to talk to the church today. But it, it's more about, uh, you know, about the, the, temp, the temptation not to fulfill the will of God. The temptation to do the bare minimum. The, the, the temptation to just glide through the things of God and, and, and get to a place where we're not so uh, passionate and, and, and immersed in, in the Lord with, with a desire to move forward as ministers, as people that, that have been called and set apart. Because that's what, the, that's what religion has done to the full gospel church in the day and the age that we live in. In many ways, our, our growth has been stunted for lack of interest and inactivity. <laughs> I'm not mad. The Holy Ghost isn't mad. Amen. This is just going to be some education this morning. So we, we all fall into it, you know, at one time or another where we're, you know, maybe tempted not to, not to pray or seek the Lord or even get into the Word like we, like we know that we should, you know. But let, let's just take a look at the Word. Let's see what, what God does uh, this morning. Lord, I pray that you would take over. I want to read a, a passage that's familiar to us. Uh, the book of James, it says, uh, James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Somebody say tried. Which the Lord, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor uh, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. I'm going to read another, another passage in the book of uh, 1 John, one that we'll, we're familiar with. 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things 
that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, he says, all, somebody say all, that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doth doeth the will of God abideth forever. And, and then he talks about the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I'm not giving a legalistic message uh, for today, but I'm giving a relevant message. <clears throat> so let's go back to where we, where we started last week. Does anybody need a Bible? Any, uh, any hands raised up? We have free Bibles. Matthew 4.1. This is what it says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. Somebody say tempted. By the devil. So as I, as I was seeking the Lord and... and uh, and pursuing God to just, you know, he's already, he had already given me like a series that we've, been, that we've been working on. But, you know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about us and our responsibility as a church. And truly, you know, to understand the, the idea or the concept of, of being tried and true and set apart with, with an expectation you know, these days that we're, that we're living in, uh, it's no coincidence that you're living in these days. I mean, you know, my, my mother and, and father didn't choose that I would be born when I was born. You know, they didn't make a choice or, or someone else make a choice and say, okay, well, he'll be born in the 1800s. Uh, he'll be born at this time. You know, God is the one that set everything in motion and he's the one that said I would be here today. So not only that I would be here, but that you would be here in these times that we live in. So it's, it's interesting that he would make up the church of, of those of us that have, you know, you know, with the understanding that he's destined us and, and he set us apart for such a time as this. And, and that he's bringing all things into alignment in, these, in this time. And, and, and through that alignment, he's pouring out upon his church. And with the expectation because he, he's purifying a bride. A bride is being purified right now as we speak currently. Brought to a place of preparation to meet Christ in a way that we never have before. So our responsibility and, and your responsibility is this. Uh, man, we got to be passionate about, about what our purpose is and what our role and responsibility is as far as a Christian is concerned. It's going to take passion to be able to Man, to see it through. There, there's so, you know, years ago, I've been around for a little while, you know, through a, my miraculous conversion. 
out of, out of addiction and, and into the knowledge of Christ and the miracle of him delivering me <clears throat> miraculously from everything instantaneously with the two words I surrender. After fighting him for a couple of years, uh, uh, you know, because I wanted to negotiate with God. Okay, Lord, you can have this part of my life, but I'm going to keep this part for myself because it's part of my identity. How many of you know that those kind of negotiations do not work very well with the Lord? He wants all of us. So all of me belongs to him. Everything, every part of my life. You know, whatever I think my uh, finances, everything belongs to the Lord. But through it all, even before I had met the Lord, I understood what passion was. And I understood what drive was. Because uh, uh, through the drive and through the passion, that's what fueled the addiction and kept me going and, and, per, and pursuing really anything in any way that I could possibly get it, I was going to get it. And that's what we see out here many times and we don't understand it. Or, or sometimes we, we ignore it and many times, you know, it, when we get to the point where we don't even see it happening as far as the prostitution and, and, and everything else going on for drugs. Well, all that is is a passion to fuel their addiction. They're going to do whatever it takes. But for us, it's a heartbreaking thing to say that because we know that part that, man, they've made a choice not to give their, themselves to Christ yet. But because of us, we can see a transformation come. But throughout my walk, you know, in, the, in, in church, I, I wondered, well, why is it that many people lose their passion after a while? What is it that pulls people away from, from, from the battle and from what, they're, what God has called them to do? Is it age? Is it, what is it? Do they, are they, do they get to a point where they just don't do it anymore? I, I told we were, um, we were at a conference not too long ago and I told them the story of when I was a, a, a baby Christian and, and how we were, we had gone to a men's conference and, and, I, and I remember that, that uh, you know, God had already transformed my life and I, I had been taught through the Christian Rehabilitation uh, Center how, how to pray. We would get up in that rehab and we'd pray right every day from 5 to 6 in the morning. And then we'd have Bible study. And I remember as we were all in one, one part of one room and, and in one part of, of, of this uh, dormitory or whatever, I remember setting my alarm for 5 o'clock. And I set it and I started uh, 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 praying and, 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 and praying and praying and seeking the Lord just like the leadership had taught me how to do. And... and uh, and, and every once in a while, I would look around to see if anybody else was praying. And, and all I could hear was the snores of tired men. And I'd get back down again, and I'd start praying. And, and I'd look up again after a while, half hour, 45 minutes into the prayer. Nobody praying. What's going on, Lord? 
And then I had a, a just a what I thought was a great question to God. I don't know how, how many of you ask questions, you know, ask God questions. And I said, Lord, maybe I will be so mature someday that I don't have to get up and pray like they are. And he said, no. They're not praying because they choose not to. And I understood the prayerlessness in the house of God and the lack of pursuit of the things of God. And, and, and as we come together and we are ushered into a place where God is present, some of us don't even know that he's here because we have not prayed and we haven't sought him in a way that maybe we should. Or maybe our prayer is that God will break out in revival. You got to do something, Lord. And he says, you do something. You pray. And, and, and you know, and, and, we, and the reason I tell that story is because the only way that we're going to see the move take place is through the pursuit of Christ. There's no other way. I remember there was a, a deliverance taking place one, one day in church. And, and somebody told me, I wish, uh, leadership told me, man, I, should, I wish I would have come prayed up. And I'm like, <laughs> But how many situations do we see ourselves in where we wish we should have been prayed up? So, remember, this is a happy time. Amen. This is, this is what God gave me for us today. So, look. God uses passionate people to succeed in the work of his kingdom. So, if we've never learned how to have passion about anything before, I know that there are people that have passion for their jobs. There are people that have passion for sports there are people that have passion for many different things cars uh, whatever but but I'm telling you that, that that we need to at least learn how to have some type of passion so we could really be passionate about the things of God put down our other passions because I'm going to tell you the truth the enemy will present different passions to uh, uh, the Christian in order to draw him away from the call you don't even, I mean, I've been around long enough serving the Lord that I understand that our, there are many that have not fulfilled the will of God in the house of God. Otherwise, this country would not be in the condition that it's in. And like I talked about uh, uh, not too long ago, that, that of course we know that many that had, had been destined for something great are, are not even here because of the abortion laws of this country. So God uses passionate people to succeed, okay? And, and God will place a drive in people. A, a, a drive that's becoming even just more and more rare in the house of God. Even through ministers. It, it, it takes dedication and commitment. And, and I'll tell you, you know, even our setup on Tuesday night, we had our, 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 our meeting with the churches 
But I know that sometimes in those difficult and, and physical times, our, our flesh fights against us to take the easy way out. And in the things of God, our, our flesh is going to be a, a constant as far as the battle is concerned. That, that, that we, we'll leave it up to somebody else to do the, 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 the menial task. <laughs> and I'll, I'll make the scene because I'm gifted, don't you know? But that, that's, that's, not, that's in the house of God in general, if we're not careful. So we've been called with such a great call and, and empowered and anointed with such a great and, and mighty anointing that, 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 that the, the Spirit of God that, that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. We don't have to look very far for, for, for God. All we got to do is look inside. I know wherever two or more are gathered, he's in the midst. But man, all we got to do is look inside. But what does our walk truly look like? Let's examine it. <laughs> is there a passion and a drive within us for the things of God? The only thing that's going to Fuel that passion and that drive is prayer and time in the word. Truth, there's nothing else that will do it. Service to God. Service in his house. Doing the uncomfortable things. Doing those things that are difficult that, that we don't feel like doing. Being there when nobody else is there. I've come to the church. I've passed by before and I've seen people sweeping, people cutting weeds. People washing the outside of the building. They didn't tell me anything. They didn't say, oh, Pastor, I'm going to do this. They didn't even care. All they cared is that there was something that, they, that needed to happen in the house of God. They saw it. They didn't say, Pastor, let's get together a team so that we could do this. Fences fixed. Let's call out the church so that we can get some volunteers. No. They saw the need. And they did what they needed to do. And that's part of, 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 of service in the house of God. It doesn't matter what I've done in my past. It, it, what matters is where, what am I doing now? Where am I taking it in my future? Am I truly fulfilling the, the will of God? But he that doeth the will of God abideth Forever. That's one of the scriptures, First John. And it's easy to glean over that. And 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 really, you know, but because that's how that's that's how, what hardens the heart of the believer. After a while, we just glean over the, the scripture. We're not, it's like, doesn't man? We need it to penetrate our hard heads, amen. And sometimes as a living condition would have it, sometimes our hearts get a little hard with what we're, what we're having to deal with, even as believers. So look, I, I got to say this. Men are destined to conquer. Okay? Men, you know, we're destined to conquer, and I'm not downplaying uh, the, uh, a woman's role or, or responsibility because it's, uh, equally as important as a men's role. But man, you know, man, where are we? 
Where are we in our conquest for Christ? <laughs> are we, what are we conquering apart from Christ? Our own dreams and our own visions and our own desires. But when it comes to conquering for Christ. So we're destined. I'm going to tell you, if we're not doing what we're destined to be doing, we're not going to be fulfilled. And we're going to be distracted. And we're going to be looking over the fence all the time. I'm telling you the truth. And that's for all of us. In order to fulfill your purpose, you have to be driven. Who in the Bible wasn't driven that, that, that fulfilled something great for the Lord? Paul couldn't have done what he did, you know, what God used him to do without having a drive. Huh? None of them could have done without having that drive. What is your drive for the things of God? And I'm not talking about your drive to church and your drive home. That's not being driven. What is your drive? What, what is your drive? What, <laughs> what floats your boat? What gets you going? What, what, man, what, what, what gets you moving? What motivates you in the morning? If it's coffee, that's the wrong motivation. Somebody told me, man, hey, Pastor, I tried, drink, I tried quitting coffee, but I started getting headaches. Headaches? And they, they, knew, they know that I was drinking, you know, I drink coffee, you know, not, not a whole bunch. At that time, I probably was. And, 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 uh, and they said, and, I was, and I, had, I was, you know, stopping from drinking coffee, and I thought, and they asked me, How, do you get headaches, Pastor? I said, headaches? If I could get off the, the Medicaid, the drugs I was on, man, coffee shouldn't have me that way. And if, it, if I'm that addicted, I better check myself, man. But our addiction needs to be for Christ. We need to be addicted to the things of God, addicted to fulfilling his will, addicted to understanding the word of God. Our addiction needs to be to Christ, for Christ, and that's going to drive our, 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 it's going to drive us or we're going to be driven to fulfill what he's destined for us. So look, it takes drive to fulfill your destiny, but it takes passion to get there. What is your passion? Are you passionate about the things of God? Does, that, does God truly come first? Uh, you know, when God comes first, it's like this. You know what, Lord? I, I want you to remove anything in me that's offensive to you, God. <laughs> no matter how much it hurts. Whether it's uh, inside of me or whether it's external or whatever it is that gets in my way. Get it out of there because it's getting in my way this way. It's good, amen? <laughs> to me it is. Because he started just kind of just, you know, to me first, you know. It's, it's not easy. Okay? So it's going to take, uh, uh, it's going to take <laughs> Passion. To fulfill what he's destined. Watch. Have you ever noticed that many or most people run out of passion before they reach their destiny? 
And I'm talking about Christians. Great people, anointed, gifted. Many of them. Not all of them. Not all of us. I wonder what the, what the percentage of, of Christians that truly fulfilled God's good, pleasing, and perfect will really are. Making, does anybody not understand? I could break any part of this down for us. We good? Good. Okay. God places drive-in people in order to further his kingdom. No one in the Bible, of course, could have conceded, I mean, could have succeeded without drive and passion. Anybody that is going to do anything for the Lord has to have that drive. Look, the only thing bad about this is that Satan knows you have it. When you're driven, many times our obstacle is us, and many times our obstacle are, the th are, are things that Satan throws at us. But when you have drive for the kingdom, there's always going to be a reason why. I mean, there's how many times early on... Uh, you know, there would be a distraction on why we couldn't go to church that day. We were just trying. We were, God had rescued us. God had set us in place. And, 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 and all of a sudden there would be a, you know, a comment. Usually on my side. Oh, babe, are you, shouldn't you wear something else to church? Come on, any of you have ever been told that before? Probably not, No. Or maybe, or or maybe to the to the husband, oh, you're wearing that, or you're, or can't you do this, or what, or you know, the thing is, those comments. Well, Satan will, will plant those ideas. Yeah, I can't say it's all the devil made me do it, but I'm telling you that there will be those things that stop us even from going to church, a fight, an argument, uh, something that happens outside, and uh, you know, whatever. But I'm telling you that he's the same way throughout your walk. There's always going to be something that he's going to present that looks better as, as, as far as entertainment is concerned than going to church. Oh, he understands. He knows my heart. <laughs> One time somebody told me, and I said, you know what? He does know your heart, and he knows why you're not passionate about what God is, what he's doing in your life. Why you lost your gratitude? Don't say he knows your heart. He does know your heart. That's the problem. Your heart. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. So the, the, the devil tries to focus you. Look, this is what happens when you get to a place where you start getting a little too comfortable even in, in your service to the Lord or your attendance to, to, to the things of God. Because God raises people up. That's just the way he is. He does that. But, but what happens, and being that, that Satan knows about that drive, is, is what he tries to do is he tries to redirect your passion and your drive to something else. And, 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 and you know how it is. Uh, it makes it look good. There's a good reason for you to redirect your passion. It's a God thing anyways. 
But because that's what the lie is, very subtle. So, so the redirection of the passion and, and, and the drive is something that has pulled many a Christian away from the purposes of the Lord. Somebody say, said that it's not really, uh, you know, the, uh, being an atheist or, or, or non-belief that has, that, that, that has pulled, uh, you know, that has taken people to hell. But more, it's been uh, uh, religion and deception. Why do you think he talks about it so much? Uh, be careful that you are not deceived by false prophets. Be careful, be careful, be careful. The deception is coming. That's what it's not. It's not people that don't believe. It's those of us that have made a confession and have believed, but then been deceived. So it, the enemy tries to take our, our focus off of off of the Lord and off of our purpose and our passion. And and I'll tell you what, we can make every excuse. You know what? Our excuses sound good to guess who? Us. I don't think they sound too good to God, but well, we can justify pretty good. You know, I'm just saying. Watch this. It's not your failures that are going to be hard to manage. It's your, it's your successes that are going to be hard to manage. It's not your failures, see. Watch, the more valuable you become, you know, to the kingdom, and, I'm, and everybody's valuable to God, but as God has raised you up for such a time as this, the more, the more value, because you have said yes, the more vulnerable you become to those, to, to, to being drawn away, to being enticed, to being, you know, uh, there's so many times that, that gifted and anointed people get to a place where, or they're content with a bare minimum. He says, do everything wholeheartedly unto the Lord for his honor and his glory. He will be glorified through your wholehearted effort in whatever responsibility you have taken on for the kingdom. Watch this. I'm gonna, I got to read this. Because when you start something for God and you are climbing up to the place God is taking you <clears throat> and is using you in or using up all, okay, and, and you're taking up all, hold on, taking you and using you up, all your drive and all your passion is not a problem. Okay, so watch. I looked it up and, and it said, you know, as God elevates us or takes us to a higher place, you know, we get to a place where, we're, where we start to become comfortable. And after a while, where you, where you start to be, like I told you before, you know, I, I can even remember, you know, as, as we're pursuing the Lord, and, and man, Lord, I need a message. I got to have a message. I got I to gotta do whatever, or, or maybe it's, it can be anything else. God, I got I to gotta usher. I got to greet. I got to do Whatever, I got to be prayed up. That way when people come in, I can discern what's walking through that door. And I can understand what, what the enemy is bringing in. I can understand what God is bringing in. So I can pray, 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 pray. But as God is elevating us, 
Man, we get to a place where we start to... See, an airplane in the thrust and getting off the ground, it uses, I think I read 30 to 40% more uh, of fuel than it does when it's just at the, at the height that it should be flying. So what happens with us is as, as, as we get to that place where we're, where, we're, where we're flying, where we're at a place where, where, where God has lifted us up uh, on wings like eagles, we can get a little comfortable and that's when the enemy comes in to try and redirect our passion and try and redirect our drive. And pretty soon we're not driven like we once were or passionate like we once were. And then we make excuses. Well, God is not answering my prayers anyways or he's not doing it. But then we lose fact that maybe God has has allowed this in our lives in order so that we can come through the other side more purified with a greater faith than we've ever had before so that we can take those giant leaps of faith and carry on this work and this mission and this vision that he's given us as a church and carry it on to the next level. Because we'll be reassured that the truth has certainly taken us through this time and we've held on to the Lord and he's seen us through. We might have a limp like Jacob had, but I'm telling you, we can move faster than any sprint runner around us because we are in the spirit. Driving passion. I had to read this. That's when it makes sense to me. But when you become better or you are more successful and maybe not praying as much and maybe, not, and maybe complaining too much, even about your ministry that God has called you to, what do you do with that leftover passion and drive? You don't need all that leftover passion and drive anymore. What do you do with the leftovers? Start looking over the fence. Hmm? The enemy always tries to refocus it. He focuses it on you, on pride, your successes, maybe on others, maybe desire for possessions, things other than fulfilling God's will. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'm almost done. You can say amen. I'm going to read this. I've said it, but I'm going to read it. Once a Christian reaches a place of not using his or her passion and drive and faith, their drive becomes redirected, misdirected, causing a tailspin. The minute that you stop challenging yourself for the kingdom, you start to become ineffective and you lose your edge. I've told you about it before when years ago when I used to be a bow hunter, me and my brother used to practice. And, and, and we used to, you know, we, we, there's practice arrows, there's practice tips, there's whatever. Well, we used to use these things called blunts. And these blunts are, what they are is they're a, a rubber thing and, and, uh, that goes at the tip of the, uh, of the arrow and you shoot it and it basically bounces off of the target. 
And, and, and I'll tell you that right now, that, that, that if we're not careful, the church is just firing off blunts and it's not being effective the way that it needs to be. That we're hitting the target, but nothing's even happening because it's all... There's nothing uglier than when a Christian loses their cutting edge. The only thing uglier than that is this. When other Christians try and come in, when they see somebody that's ha that has a cutting edge, and they want to dull that edge right off of them. That's the spirit of religion. I'm done. Let's bow our heads. I know that there's somebody other than me that understands this message. There might be just one person. Somebody that God spoke to through this message. And if it's just me and that one person up at this altar, there's an anointing on this, uh, at this place. Some of us are just shooting blunts right now. Some of us have, have got to a place where our cutting edge is getting dollar and dollar. And if we don't do something about it, we're going to be a casualty in the house of God. So I, I'm going to make a call up to this altar, you know, in respect to, you know, our, our distancing or whatever. But I'm going to make a call up to this altar for those of you that maybe this message spoke to. Like I say, it's going to be me and, and my wife I know up here. But if there's anybody else that, that, that wants to come, because there's an anointing here. God didn't give me this message just, just in vain. There's something that's taking place in the spiritual realm and I can sense it. So if that's you, come up to this place. Come quickly, please. Let's, 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 let's pray. This is it. I mean, this is it. This is the time out of all eternity. That God has set for you to live in. Out of all eternity. And I set little old you and little old me in place. With a big purpose. And a big anointing and a big plan for our lives. And it's because a loving God. You know look past everything in our lives. Through the blood of Christ. And said, he's the one. She's the one. They're the ones. They can do it. They can do it. So I pray, Lord, as we come here today, Lord God, with an understanding that we don't want to lose our edge, Lord. 
We don't want to be firing off blanks, Lord God. We want to be effective, Lord. We want to be effective, God. So I pray, Lord, I, th- I thank you for what I'm just sensing up here in the spirit, God. So the, the, the move that's taking place, Lord, and, and I pray, Lord God, as you lay hands on them, God, and as you're equipping them for something greater, Lord, that, Father, that you would pour out upon them such an anointing, Lord God, the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to fulfill your good, pleasing, and perfect will, that we would not be a statistic, God, of those that you had a great plan for. And and when we faltered, no, this is something new and you're doing a new thing. So I proclaim your anointing upon your people today, Lord God. And I proclaim that you're doing something great, Lord. We're not a ragtag army, Lord God. We're the army of the Lord and we've been set apart for your honor and your glory. So we answer the call today and we say, Lord, you have your way in us. And let your will be done. We're going to see it through, Lord. We will see it through, God. We understand the cost, God. So we lay down our lives right now. And we surrender. And we thank you for the privilege and the honor to live in this day, in this age, and to be chosen by you. So I pray over your people today, Lord God. An an anointing, Lord. The power, the power of your Holy Spirit, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Amen. Don't forget we're registering people to to vote. Uh, If you need to stay at this altar, you can stay here and you can take care of business with the Lord. This is the perfect place to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. He's awesome. Amen.